Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. How fun is that? I have seen that video so many times, and I tear up every time. And I am just so grateful to be a small part of what God is doing here in and through this church, in and through this city. And uh, I am so glad that you're here today. My name is Jared. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And uh, this is an exciting season for our church, a significant season for our church. As you heard in that video, I just want to unpack it just for a little bit as, as part of the teaching this weekend. As you just heard in that video, uh, we believe that God is inviting us to be ready for more. And so for the next two years, we're actually going to be a part of a faith-raising adventure together. We're going to do whatever we can do to make more room for more people to find and follow Jesus. That is really at the heart of why we do what we do. And as you just heard, we are so excited. If you were at our vision night a week and a half ago, or you just heard in that video, over the next two years, we are so excited to be launching two new Soul City churches, which I am very excited about. One to the West. Can I hear for the West Siders? West Side, where you at? And I feel like I need to say this real pop. See the picture behind me? That is an artist's rendering. We've had people say, oh, I know where that's right by my house. Nope, that's not real. It's an artist. I just feel like I have to pull the curtain back a little. It's just to help us a little bit. So we're doing one new church, a Soul City Church to the West. And where are my North Siders at? We're doing one on the North Side as well. And I want to be clear about why we're starting these Soul City churches. It's because there are a lot of people in our church that live to, a significant amount of people live to the west and to the north, uh, but we're not just starting those churches so you have a shorter commute time to church. I mean, it's nice. It'll be nice, but that's not why. The reason why we're starting these two new churches is because of your friends, and it's your neighbors, and it's your coworkers, your family that live in those areas. And for all you know, maybe one yes away from coming to a church like Soul City Church, one yes away from Jesus. And so we want to make room. And I know as our church continues to grow and we're in overflow after overflow after overflow, it's really easy to feel like, oh my gosh, our church is getting so big. That's a terrible voice. I should not, you know, that, that <laughs> people have legitimately said that. That's not kind of me to say it that way. Some people said, our church feels like it's getting so big. This is how our church gets small and stays small, by starting new churches and creating opportunities for you to start a church. The reason you have a seat today, whether it's here or an overflow, wherever it is, the reason you have a seat is because someone got here before you that said, I'm going to make room for them. And that's all we want to do. We just want to make room for people to find and follow Jesus. So we're launching those two new Soul City churches. And I'm so excited because that's not all God is going to extend and expand the work and ministry of this church here at our West Loop Church because we are opening up a physical house of hope here at our West Loop Church. It is a physical and permanent space for people within our church and people who may never come here on a Sunday to find help and to find healing and to find hope when life is at its lowest and its most challenging. I bet every one of us could say, I could use a a house of hope in my life, or I could have used a house of hope in that season of my life. It's a place for crisis counseling, for addiction support and recovery work, marriage, divorce, classes and groups, and it's a place to welcome refugees who are new to our country and new to the city to say you are welcome here. 
to be able to help and assist in a small way to say we want to help you get started here. And our vision from the beginning of this church is we just want to be better seven days a week rather than just one. We want people to encounter the love of Jesus beyond a Sunday. And this is going to greatly enable us to do that at a whole new level as a church. And as a part of that build-out space here in our West Loop Church, we're actually going to add a Soul City studio to create and to capture and release. Let's hear it for the studio. Right there, we have a musician in the house. To be able to create and to capture and to release resources for our church and for people beyond the walls of our church and for other churches. We want to be a resource. We want to share what God's done here. So many other churches stepped in and have stepped in to help this church. We want to be that kind of church to release whatever God is doing here. We want to be able to actually share it with the world. Lots of folks are watching right now online, or maybe you've watched online, or you have friends or family that watch online. We've done nothing to invest in that over the last couple of years. We just flipped the internet switch when we moved into this room, and we want to be able to actually create an experience where people can really engage with the love of God through technology and through the studio, and so we're so excited about that. Our, our primary goal in all of this, and I want to be really, really, really clear about what our whole goal is for the next two years with Ready for More. Our primary goal is 100% participation. That's all, just 100. That's all we were, just, just like 100. Now, why? what do we mean by that? What we mean is we want every single person to have their own faith adventure with God. We want you to have a faith adventure with God, to trust God like never before, to believe bigger than you ever have before in your life, to experience God's love, to trust him at a deeper level than you ever have. That is what is most important to us, that all of us play the part that God leads you to play in the next chapter of our church. And if we get the primary goal right, I'm telling you, the secondary goal is going to feel like an afterthought. Because the secondary goal may seem big to you. It's not as important as the primary goal. The secondary goal is for us to raise $9 million over the next two years to fully fund this vision. That's all. It's $9 million. It's $9 million. Have you, do you know how much politicians are spending right now in one week on ads? You think God might want to do a little bit more with those resources than just that? I mean, no shade on politicians, but seriously. This is money. This is money. And so what we want to do is just say, no, God, our primary goal is to trust you more, is to see you move in our lives and through this church and to make more room for more people. If we get that primary thing right, I'm telling you, the second God takes care of that secondary one. We just want to see the faith of our church, your faith, grow like never before over these next two years. So today, as Jeannie mentioned, we're kicking off this teaching series over the next six weeks. It's called Ready for More. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. And uh, it's called Ready for More. And what we are saying is, God, we want to like, posture ourselves and position ourselves to be ready for more of you. And you're going to actually be receiving over these next six weeks all kinds of helpful tools and resources to help you in your process with God to ask him how he's leading you to be a part of this, however he leads you. We trust you. We trust God and we trust you. However God's going to lead you, we want you to be able to ask him to lead you, to be able to believe that he's going to provide for you every single step of the way, everything that you need to be a part of this, and to help you commit to this vision over these next two years. And one of the resources I just want to highlight today is, uh, you may be sitting on it, it's this devotional that our team created. And you know what I love about this? Other than the fact that it's beautiful and it's thoughtful and it's cool and all that, it was quarterbacked by Fabi, who's on our staff, but it's written, give it up for Fabi, but it is written by volunteers from our church. 
This is our, this is our, and it's, it can be either a seven-day little devotional for you, or you can kind of track with it throughout the course of these next six weeks. And in fact, there's a space in here on page 18 of the devotional for you to take notes today in church. We never do that. You can actually write with a pen and a, a paper thing to actually take notes and to track along each week with what God's teaching you. Again, all of this is to help you trust God and go out in faith like you never have before in your life. These are exciting days for our church. And if you're new around here, man, you came at a great time. You came at a great time. We believe, in fact, that God has brought you here for reasons greater than you can even see or may even know in this next season. But you will look back and say, thank God he brought me to this church in this season. Thank God for what God's doing beyond this church, in this city, in this season. So we are so glad that you are here. As I was praying earlier this week and thinking about our time together and asking God, God, what do you have for us? What do you have for us this week? And I had this thought while I was in prayer. This didn't actually happen. I had the thought about what would happen if this did happen. I had the thought in prayer, what if God were to interrupt my prayer, my connection, my time with him, and if God were to somehow, I don't know exactly how, but if God were to say to me, Jared, you have 60 seconds, and over the next 60 seconds, ask me for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. That, what would you do if that was you? This is like a genie in the bottle kind of scenario that I'm talking about. It's not always how this works with God, but I had the thought like, wait, if God were to ask me right here, right now, what do, what do I most want? What would I actually say in this moment? What would you say? If God said to you, you have 60 seconds, what do you want? I mean, what would you, oh my gosh. How many of you are honest enough in church right now to say it would probably be something financial? If you say, yeah, it'd probably be something financial. Yeah, right. Something like, God, I would love, I don't know how you work with the lottery, but if we could arrange a scenario... <laughs> Where I win the lottery, or maybe for you, it's not even about like, God, I don't, I don't need new money. I got all this college debt. I need, I need to take care of that old money that I didn't have back then. So God, could you wipe that out? That would be awesome, right? Maybe that would be what you would ask for, something around finances, or maybe for you would be a relationship. God, I would just love to be in a relationship. If you're asking, I'm telling. That's what I want. I've told you this before, so I'm telling you again. That's what I want. Maybe for you, it would be something around your health. Maybe for you, that there's a, the, a place of healing that you need in your life, physically healing or emotional healing mental healing, and you were to say, God, if you're asking, I'm telling, that's what I want, or, or healing for someone that you love and you care about. God, if you give me the invitation, I'm asking, that's what I want. Maybe for you, you, you'd struggle maybe to think of what it is, and so maybe for you, it'd be like, God, I don't know, I, don't, I just want the Bears in the Super Bowl. One more time in my lifetime, God, I don't even care if they win, I just want them in there. I, if, you just were, if you were given 60 seconds to ask God for anything, and he would give it to you, what would you ask for? And the thing I want us to think about as we kick off this faith-raising adventure, as we kick off this new teaching series, and I want you to think about as it comes to your relationship with God, wherever you may be at with God, is just this question. Do I want more from God or do I want more of God? Yeah. Difference. There's a big difference, right? Do I want more from God? And all those things are fine and good to ask for God. And he tells us, ask for what you need. I, he loves to provide for you. But is that what I really want from God or do I want more of God? Do I want to experience more of God in my life? I think this is an incredibly important question to get sorted out in your life because it is really at the heart of why you would even be in a relationship with God. Am I in this for what he has for me or am I in this just for him, for God? I believe that the answer to this question is behind what you pray for or why you even pray at all, I think this is an incredibly important question and may in fact be why you came here today. It's somehow tied to why you came here today. 
You came here either for more of God or more from God. And what I want to do this weekend is offer you a prayer that anyone can pray, that you can pray today, that God will answer. I want to give you a prayer, anyone can pray, that God will, you can count on him to actually answer it. And it is a prayer that will change your life. I promise you, it will change your life. It will change your perspective, how you see God and how you see things. And it will help you see more of the eternal in the everyday. So I want you to grab a Bible and I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 33. So right under your seat or on your armrest there, there should be a Soul City Bible. And you can actually turn to page 72 in the Soul City Bible. That'll get you right over to the left to Exodus 33. We're going to look at someone who prayed that prayer that God will answer that can change your life. Let me give you some quick context. Exodus 33. We are in the story of God. The Israelites have actually been delivered by God out of captivity, out of slavery. God had promised his people that they would actually have a home of their own. You have to imagine that. They were refugees. They were a nation without a home, wandering out, being delivered by God out of Egypt. And God says, I'm going to provide for you every single step of the way. I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to lead you into this promised land. And he'd given them a leader, in a man named Moses. And you need to know just a little bit about Moses to understand where we're going in the text today. Moses and God had a very real relationship, like, like R-I-L, real, like they had a real relationship. And what do I mean by that? Moses told God everything that was going on in his heart. You know, sometimes you like, you cushion it with God, like, okay, God, if it's your will, if you would, if it's, if it's, we had all those words. Moses like, no, this is what's up, God. Why aren't you doing this? Where are you at with it? They had such a real relationship. And in fact, just a little bit before the text we're going to look at today in Exodus 33, it says that Moses and God were talking together. And the text says they were talking as someone would talk to a friend. Isn't that cool? They were talking to each other like someone would, like you would talk with your friend. And just like friends, they were getting into it. Because God was telling Moses, look, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I've promised to you. I'm going to be faithful to you. And Moses wasn't having any of it. He was like, that's not enough for me, God. God, I need to know how you're going to do it. I need to know when you're going to do it. I need to know what it's actually going to look like. After all the miracles he had already witnessed, he wanted more from God. He wanted facts. He wanted details. He wanted specifics. How are you going to do it, God? And so verse 15 gives us a glimpse. We're kind of hopping into the middle of that conversation between the two of them. Exodus 33, 15 says this, then Moses said to him, him being God, then Moses said to him, if your presence, God, listen, if you don't go with us, don't send us up from here. I don't want to take another step. If you're not the one that's actually, if I can't know that you are going with us, don't send us up from here. And then he starts going through more of his questions because how will anyone know that you're pleased with me? that you're pleased with your people unless you go with us, unless they see and sense your presence with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What makes us special? How are you going to do it? What's it actually going to look like, God? He has a lot of questions here. We're going to get to that in just a second. He also has a lot of fear and uncertainty. And a lot of it is connected to his fear and uncertainty in himself. But some of it is fear and uncertainty about God. But this one thing Moses is actually clear on, and it's at the very beginning that we just read of verse 15. He says this, God, if you aren't with us, don't send us. If you aren't with us, don't send us. I won't go if you don't go with me. 
In other words, if God ain't in it, I don't want it. That's how resolved Moses, look, God, I, I got a lot of questions, but if you're not in it, I don't want it. I don't actually want it to be a part of my life. Question, could you say the same about your life or your life with God? Could you, could you say the same? God, if you ain't in it, I don't want it. Would that be true of your life? I mean, I, I was thinking this last week of all of the countless things I do that I don't even think twice to invite or involve God in. I just kind of go about them because that's how I've always done them. Well, this is always how I've done it. Or this worked before, I'll just do this. Think about all the moves that you've made in your career because they just made sense. Well, this is a better paying job. Well, this gives me more influence in the organization. It makes sense. Nothing wrong with that, but you don't even think like, wait, God, are you in this? Like, is this of you? Are you a part of this? Think about the relationships you have in your life that you never even once thought to say, wait, God, are you in this relationship? Because it's better than being alone, but I never even stopped to think, are you in this? Are you a part of this relationship? This is an incredibly important moment because what, what Moses is doing is he's actually drawing a dividing line between what we have so much of and between what God longs for us for. He's drawing a dividing line between options and obedience. He's drawing a dividing line between choices and callings. You got lots of options. You actually do. It may not feel that way. You have infinitely more options than most people on the planet right now. Lots of choices in your life. But that's really different from obedience and callings. Things where you can say, no, God's in this. God has actually called me to this. God is sending me here. Because God, if you ain't in it, I don't want it. It's not worth it. So God goes on to answer Moses' questions. He has this long list of questions. And he answers them in a way that only God can. He just speaks to the overall theme of what Moses is getting at. And you can see this in verse 17. So the Lord said to Moses, okay, Moses, I'll do the very thing you have asked. And Moses is like, uh, which thing? I have like 732 things here. Which thing are you talking about? God says, no, no, I'm going to do, I get what you're getting at. And I'm going to do what you've asked because, listen to this, I am pleased with you. And I know you by name. Isn't that beautiful? I hear you, Moses. I see the list. Yep, you've sent it to me multiple times before. I want you to know this, Moses. I see you. I know you. I know you by name. I love you. This is a powerful moment. Because how many of y'all know that the more and more someone gets to know you, the more and more some fear rises up in you, like, are they going to keep loving me? The more they keep seeing me, are they going to keep, like, are they going to, are they love me like warts and all? Are they really going to? Love me if they really got to know me. And what God is saying to Moses here is, yeah, I know every single thing about you, and I love you perfectly and completely. I know you by name. I am pleased with you. Think about that, that the God of the universe who created it all, who sustains it all, says, yeah, I know you by name. You're not just another name on my list. You're not just another number. I know you. I know every part of your story, and I love you perfectly. I am more with you and for you than you could ever even possibly know or imagine. And this same God who knows you and loves you will actually guide you if you're willing to get on board with his vision for your life. He will lead you. He will lead you if you let him. So this is the moment that we have here with Moses. And so now, armed with what I would imagine, if that were me, I'd feel like, you know, this new level of loving confidence that I have, Moses decides to just kind of like go all in with God. He says, all right, all right, if that's true, God, all right, he goes big and he asks God for what he 
really wants. This is that prayer that you can pray that God will answer and has the power to change not only your perspective, but your life. He says it right here in verse 18. Moses says, okay, if that's true, God, show me your glory. That's what I really want. No, God, show me your glory. Like if you were next to Moses this moment, you'd be like, go on, Moses. Like that's, show me your glory. God, I'm telling you right now, I need a glimpse of your glory. That's actually all that I really want. I got my long list of questions. I got all these cares and concerns, but what I ultimately really want, what I ultimately really need is just a glimpse of your glory, God. That's actually all I need for my life is to let me see you in the midst and even in the midst of my circumstances, God. If I just got a taste, a glimpse of you, that would actually be more than enough for me. Hold up. I'm about to go off. Give me one second. Can you imagine if that actually were your posture with God? That's actually all that I want from you, God. More than I actually want a better paying job or a better looking bod. I just want more of you, God. That's what I actually want. More than a hot spouse or a huge house. I want more of you, God. That's what I want in my life. More than growing my wealth. More than giving me good health. I want you, God. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what I want. More than fleeting fame or my favorite team winning another game. I want you, God. That's what my prayer is, God. Show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. Give me a glimpse, God. That's all I need. A taste, a touch of your presence, God. I got my lists. I got my fears and concerns. But I just want you. And at the end of the day, more than all the things I want from you, I just want more of you. I just want a glimpse. God, show me your glory. That is what Moses is after here. That overwhelming, never-ending, utterly inexhaustible, totally transformative glory of God. That's what I want. And so again, the question is, do you? Is that what you want? Is that what I actually want? More than all the things that I want from God. More than answers to all of my questions. More than wanting to know how God is going to do it. Do I just want more of him? See, I think this is an incredibly important moment because Moses is going through all the list of all the things he wants to know how God's going to do it, but he gets it right. He, he gets it right. And what's important to remember is that for you and I in our lives today, is as best we can, always let your wow be greater than your how. Where do we start when we come up to a place we've never been before? How are you going to do it? How's it going to work? How's it going to go down? How's it going to happen? But what Moses gets to finally is, no, wait a second. What's more important, what's greater is just my wow before God. Wow, God, give me a glimpse of your glory. That will carry me further than answers to all my how. I just need more of you, God. I just want more of you in my life to let your desire for God be greater than whatever it is you want from God. And it's so, I don't know about you, but it's so easy for me to get so caught up and so lost in how God's going to do it, how God's going to do what only he can actually do, rather than just resting in the reality of who God is. You're good. You're faithful. You're loving. You're kind. You're forgiving. You show mercy, compassion. That's who you are. That's what I want. I just want more of you. And it doesn't mean that you don't have questions. I have a million questions, tons of questions, big ones and small ones of God, personal questions, theological questions. I mean, can we just be honest? I got a ton. I got questions about, I'll share this with you, about how is this whole high school thing in the city going to work with our kids? 
And people are like, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. I'm like, don't, you don't say that to me. I'm all caught up in my how over here. How's it going to work, God? How are you going to provide for our family as we set out to trust you and give more to you than we've ever given before in our life? How does it work, God, to have my mom caring for my dad and me trying to care for my mom from a distance? I don't see how this all works, God. This is not what I would have picked. It's personal, you know, for me. But it's also, there's big ones too around here as we're, we're stepping into a new season for our church and a new way of being our church in this city. There's tons of questions. We're going to have tons of questions. How's this going to work? How are we going to be in three locations? Great question. We're working on it. (laughs) Yeah, we're asking the same question. How are we going to build out a house of hope? And how's that going to work? And how are we going to work with our partners? And how's it going to how are we going to raise all this money? And how? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got all those too. Tons of questions, some personal, some theological, some small, some big. But here's the thing that I just want to be true for me. I don't want my faith to be contingent on clarity. I don't want my faith to be like, okay, God, I'm believing you if you show me. Yeah, I just need to see how we're going to do it, and then I'm all in, God. I don't want my faith to be contingent on clarity. And that's so often what I want from God. Just show me how, show me how, show me how, show me how. What Moses teaches us here is, no, just start with, wow. God, you're faithful, you're good. You, you, you are enough. You are more than enough for me. I don't want to miss the glory of God in my everyday life. I need it more than I know. So God agrees to give Moses that glimpse of his glory. It's in verse 19. It says this, and the Lord said, now this is, pay attention to all this. This is so good. The Lord said, I will cause all of my what? How does God describe his glory? He says, I will cause all of my, say it again, all of my, that's how God describes his glory. We might think power. We might think majesty. God says, no, it's my goodness. I'm allow all of my goodness to actually pass in front of you, and I'm going to proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. You're going to hear me say it. And I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But, he said, you can't see my face, Moses, for no one can see me and actually live. So this is what God does. He says, all right, verse 21, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory, my goodness passes by, I'll put you in a little nook. I'll put you in a little cleft, this little part carved out. I'm going to tuck you in right into there so that, and I'm going to cover you with my hand actually in that moment until I've actually passed by. There's a lot theologically to unpack here. Verse 23, then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my backside, but my face you cannot see. My face must not be seen. This is a significant moment. This hasn't happened since the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. People had not experienced the presence of God for hundreds, even thousands of years up to this point. And God is saying, my glory, my goodness is so immense and it's so intense and it's so all-consuming that I have to protect you from my goodness, from my glory. And we all know how that works, right? We've all seen the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark. We know what happens when you look at the glory of God. Faces melting all over the place, right? We know how that works. So what God says is, I'm going to do that thing that you used to do as a kid when a scary movie was on and you put your hands in front of your face so you can kind of see it but not see the whole thing just in case. God says, yeah, I'm going to cover you up till my goodness passes by and I'm going to give you just a glimpse. And that'll be more than enough. A glimpse of my backside as I'm passing by. That's more than enough, Moses. 
you're going to experience my glory. And as I was thinking about how do I, how do I, I mean, the text says it all. How do I illustrate that? How do we experience what that must have been like? I had a thought. What if we could just get a small simulation, thank you, of the glory of God? This is not a t-shirt cannon. Man, I wish it was, Roman. I, th- I wish we would have thought of that. Do, 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 ready for more. Do, 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 do. Dang it. Next week. All right, next week. Next week. How do we, I should have thought further ahead. How do we experience the glory? Can you imagine if you were Moses and God's given all these contingencies, like I'm going to cover you, I'm going to tuck you in this little rock, and then I'm going to pass by and you'll see my backside. What would that be like to just be like, right there? Oh, you're loving church now. Now, when you came in, you got sunglasses. This might be the right time to put those on (laughs) right now because I'm not stopping. Can you imagine if the glory of God just came out? Oh, man, we're going to get emails this week. You're not liking that. You're really not liking that, are you? You're not feeling that. You're not feeling it. I know. It's crazy, right? Just the glory of God right at you. Can you imagine that? Right at you, Joel. Roman, I got you. Tammy, I got you. Glory of God. Just boom. Okay, so... This doesn't even come close, right? This doesn't even come close to the glimpse. I'm going to keep going. To everyone get spotlight today. To the glimpse of God that Moses actually got. And we don't have a sense. We don't fully know what that was like. But it might have been like this. Just. You imagine Moses being covered by the hand of God. Unpack that one. And getting just a glimpse. And God said, that's enough. That's more than enough. Moses, this is like tip of the iceberg of my goodness and glory in your life. But it's enough. And just one glimpse, just one moment in my presence, my glory is what you actually really want. And it's what you ultimately need. That was enough for Moses. And so again, the question is, is it enough for you? Is a glimpse of God enough for you for today? Is it enough? Is it greater than all your lists of questions and concerns and fears and uncertainties? Is a, is a glimpse of God's glory, an experience of his presence, is that enough for you to just get a little bit, just a taste, a sense of God's presence. Because look, the truth is, if you read on in the story of Moses, he still had a lot more questions. He let God know all that he was thinking about it every step along the way. A lot of uncertainty, a lot more hows were going to come down the line for him. But he had in that moment all that he needed. Wow. The glory and the goodness of God in my midst, in my presence, that's actually enough. And it didn't, in that moment, it didn't change his circumstances. All the same things still needed to happen. All the same questions still existed. It didn't change his circumstances. But you know what it did change? It changed him. It changed him. In fact, you don't have to go there, but a little bit later in the story, in the next chapter, Exodus 34, when God invites Moses up to Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments, remember that part from Prince of Egypt? And so he's going to give him this, this way of living in covenant relationship with God for all of these people. When Moses comes down from Mount Sinai in Exodus 34, verse 29, it says this, when he came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. It physically changed him. You ever been around someone where you're like, what is it about you 
you can just tell somehow, some way, they've been in the presence of God. And you just go, I want that. That's actually what I really want. That's what I most need, more of God. It changed Moses. And I believe fundamentally it can change you. More than getting answers to all your questions, more than getting what you want when you want it, more than anything else, just a glimpse of God in your life is enough. Because what we see from the life of Moses, not just this moment, but the life of Moses, and what I believe is true of your life is that one glimpse of God's glory can change your whole story. I know you want answers. I know you want him to fix it. I know you need stuff. He knows too. He knows everything about you. He knows you by name. But a glimpse, a taste, a moment, and the glory of God can change your whole story, change your whole perspective, change what you're after in this world, change the peace that you actually are longing for because you know God knows you by name. He's with you and for you beyond your circumstances. Changes what you pray for and why, in fact, you even pray. And you may be thinking, well, okay, but that's Moses, and that's like a Bible story, and I don't think God's going to like tuck me into some alley and let the glory of God pass by on my walk home from, it's not how it works, that's like Bible stuff, it's not how it works in my life. You're right, it's so much better than what Moses had. Because of the reality of a resurrected Jesus, because of the availability of the Holy Spirit, do you know that you live with glimpses of glory, of God's glory in your everyday life, if you have eyes to see, if you're looking. There's glimpses of God's glory all around you every single day in this city, in your life. This morning when I was getting up probably before most of you and coming over here, it was early in the morning, and as I was coming here, I saw the, the sun rising through the skyline. If you've ever been up at that hour and you see the sun coming up and it breaks through all of our gorgeous architecture, all of those beautiful buildings, it just hit me. That's actually all I really need today, God. Your glory on display right now in this beautiful sunrise because the truth is all of those buildings are just artifices of man. They will rise and they will fall, but the glory of God remains faithful through every setting sun, through every rising sun, every single day. God has been faithful to us. I see it, God. You can see a glimpse of the glory of God when it's above 45 degrees in February in Chicago. Some of y'all showed up here in shorts today as an act of worship to God because all you have to do is walk outside and go, ah, table for two outside. <sighs> the glory of God. You see it in the waves of Lake Michigan. That faithfulness, who causes those waves to rise and fall? Who sends them from places you cannot see? That's the glory of God, the faithfulness of God. Every single changing season, I thank God, as much as I complain about winter, and it's a lot, I thank God we live in a place that has all four seasons. Because you know what it teaches me every single year? God's faithful to every season. He's faithful through every season. He brings us through. And there's a faith that even as spring begins to come, and I pray it soon, as spring begins to come, every little flower, glory of God, glory of God, glory of God. Do you know that the glory of God is actually on full display in your body? The way your body works. You know, there's a thousand functions happening right now in your body that you don't even know about. And even you thinking about that is a part of the glory of God, that your mind can conceive that thought and that you can hear the words that I'm saying and actually that God speaks to you beyond my words to your soul. That's a glimpse of the glory of God. It's in your body. 
You see it when you're holding a newborn baby. And you know, you hold a little baby and they smile, they laugh, they recognize you. Oh, it's the glory of God in that little innocent child. It doesn't even have to be yours. Sometimes it's better when it's not. You're, just, you're like, uh, thank you. <laughs> I've seen what I came to see. It's the glory of God. It's the glory of God that when you feel and experience that peace that passes all understanding, you know, you're so anxious and so worked up. I can get so worked up in my head. And then something comes over me, a peace that's beyond anything I could manufacture. God, thank you. You know me by name. You're with me. You're for me. The glory of God is on full display for any one of us with eyes to see and who's willing to say, that's what I most want. I just want more of you. And as we're moving into a season where we're asking God to move like never before in our church, where we're asking you to trust God, maybe like never before in your life, where we're believing for more from God, let us not lose sight of what we actually already have in him. That in him, we actually have all that we need. It's so easy to get stuck and even lost in how. Let's not lose, wow. Wow, God, thank you for your glory. Do you know that is far more important than buildings and churches and money? All that stuff is fine and good, but it will come and go. The glory of God remains. It's the foundation of all eternity. One day, in fact, you will be fully immersed in the goodness and glory of God. As you are known, one day you will fully know and experience him. And until then, what we say is, God, give me a glimpse. Today, give me a glimpse. Give me enough for today. I just want of you, God. Yeah, I got these things I'm going to ask you for. Yeah, I got all this stuff, God, that I want from you. But I just want more of you. That's where I'm at today, God. I wonder if you'd be willing to make that your prayer. If we'd be able to keep that at the center of this great faith adventure that we're all about to walk into together. So I want to pray for you towards that end. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. And I should say, as, as uh, part of the um, gift of this weekend, those really awesome 97-cent sunglasses are yours to keep. And so, yeah, don't, don't, don't say we don't give you stuff. <laughs> Maybe not expensive stuff, but stuff. You got stuff, right? You can keep those. And I want to tell you in a little bit when we go how we want to help you just continue to seek more of God in your life. But I just want to pray. Can we just pray right now? I just And I, we take a posture of prayer around here. If you're new around here, we open our hands up to God. I think, like, again, it's just so perfectly fitting that our hands are open. Not to get more from God. He'll take care of every need you have. He always has. He always will. But just say, God, I just want more of you. I just want more of you. I just, I need, I need more of you. Would you be willing to open your hands up and can I just pray with you, pray for you? God, thank you for this promise, this prayer that we can pray, that we can trust, God, that we can experience you answering. And that's this, this prayer to experience your glory, God, to get a glimpse, to be, to be caught up in your presence. That's ultimately actually what we really want before everything else, all the hows and all the whats and the whys. God, we just want more of you. Would you help us to just start there and to stay there, God? We just want more of you. We just want more of you. God, make that up. We just, I just want more of you. I just want more of you. And I know that there are folks here today that are so, their hearts are so hurting. 
and so wounded and so desperate or maybe so dry and they're just calling out to you, God, would you give me a taste? Would you give me a touch? Would you give me a sense of your presence, of your glory? God, would you, as you described it, let your goodness fall in this place. Let your goodness fall in our lives. We just want to be in your presence because it's in your presence we actually already have all that we need. It's you. It's you. It's you. So God, help us to pursue that with our life. Your presence, your presence, your presence. That's what we ultimately want. It's in your name that we're even able to pray and say, amen.